Hey, Sales of Nation, it's your host, Tyler Lindley. Today we have part two of my interview with Andy Paul. If you haven't already checked out part one, please go back to episode 74 that we released last week. And this is part two of our episode, episode 75. So let's pick up where Andy Paul and I left off and talking about his brand new book, Sell Without Selling Out. I tell the story, it was my first sales job out of college. I was selling this room full of computer equipment to companies in the construction business, all for accounting applications. I'm going out and talking to these very successful CEOs and entrepreneurs that started these construction companies, trying to sell them an accounting system, basically, for their business, computerize their accounting operations. I knew nothing about business, but I wanted to learn. And they could sense that I wanted to learn. The questions I asked were an indication of that. In retrospect, I look at it and say, okay, at the time I was 21, I looked 16. <laughs> I was talking to these very successful business people. I was like, why did they invest time in me? Why did they give me their attention? Why did they end up buying from me? And it really came down from making this connection and being absolutely sincere and being interested in learning about them, deploying my curiosity, making sure that I really understood what was most important to them, and then see how I could help them get it. It was no more complex than that. In your mind, how do you pivot from that connection to the curiosity? Are they intertwined? Are they yeah. the same thing, basically? Or what's the distinction between the two in your mind? The curiosity is more about questioning. You're just, you're learning. You're trying to gather information. You're going to use questions, obviously, to connect with people because you're going to be asked questions about them mm-hmm. and what they're interested in, where you might find some common ground with them that forms the basis for further interaction. But there's also a question in there that the buyers ask you and it's never asked out loud or rarely asked out loud. Sometimes it is, but the buyer's wondering why you, why should I invest my time in you? Why should I trust you? Why should I believe you? I'm going to list of questions. Yeah. I have that in the book. I have a list of questions that I'll start with the word why and end with the word you. And I, say, look, just take the middle words out. Mm. And the fact is that every day and every walk of life we're being asked this question, why you? And this is really the first question we have to answer for the buyer. And we answer that through operating with integrity, make sure our motivations are abundantly clear to the buyer, that we act in alignment with those motivations, our actions are in alignment with those motivations that demonstrate our competence and our willingness to live up to our commitments. You can do that. Then to build that trust is really, you're given permission by the buyer to really stick your nose into their business. That's a way to think about it. I can ask you questions or I want to really stick my nose into your business. And that's permission that you're I mean, buyers aren't going to answer every question just because you ask it. <laughs> it sounds like, though, that questions are at the heart of this entire philosophy, this selling in strategy. It's all about the questions that we ask and the way in which we layer those questions. There are questions that we need to connect. There are questions that we need to be curious, to understand, and then to be generous. We need to be asking the right questions throughout the entire process. And it's basically, if we can ask better questions, the right question at the right time, that can prove why you, to answer that why you question, our questions can be why you, if we're asking the right ones. To some large degree, that's absolutely true. Because again, you never stop asking questions throughout the entire process. And again, I get asked about this a fair amount. I said, let me just tell you why this is important. Is too many, because we have these, call them archaic linear stage-based sales processes that we follow, which are fundamentally unchanged for 50, 60, 70 years, is we put things in the boxes in a way that don't, it's not the way the human works, not the way people work. If you assume that your prospect is a static 
target, meaning that when you have your first conversation with them about what they think their requirements are and what they think their desired outcomes are, and if you are selling to that static target, then that's going to be problematic. If instead you understand that as they go through their buying process, the buyer gets educated and gets, I don't say smarter, but we'll use the word smarter about what the problem really is, what the ramifications of not solving it is, and get smarter about, oh, what can we actually achieve? Then you need to keep, they evolve, their needs change. You need to keep asking questions to make sure you're aligned with where they're going. And this is a common failing is that we're not training the sellers that, look, this is what you ask at the beginning could be different as later on, because you need to keep uncovering what's happening. And so Gartner addressed this. So they had this study that a few years ago, buyer enablement in the classic, what they call their spaghetti diagram, showing the buyer, typical buyer journey, B2B buyer journey. And it was this complex flow chart. But one of the key features is that it would recur because as they learn something new, they might go back and reevaluate the requirements. Yes, we established our requirements, but well, we learned something new or we talked to a new vendor or we had a new stakeholder get involved that gave us a new perspective. We're back at the beginning. But if you're just plugging ahead, plunging ahead, <laughs> and you're thinking, okay, I know what they want. It's like, no, they've changed. Mm. You have to be alert to that. Do you think that happens often, Andy, where buyers change throughout the process, where they will learn yes. something and it will force you to go back and reevaluate. The buyer's going back and reevaluating. And if you're not, then you've missed an opportunity to uncover yes. and understand. And your competition might be doing that while you're over here in stage four of the process thinking, man, this one looks great. Probably going to close this quarter. 75% chance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're into the closing stages here. It's in proposal. Right. That means 80%, right? 70%. Whereas your competitor might be, like you mentioned earlier, one thing that stuck with me earlier, you said is we should never stop doing discovery. If you don't look at discovery as a box you check and then I move on to the next stage of the sales process, but as something that is basically overlaying on the entire sales process, then you might miss those opportunities to go back and revisit and understand more about their situation when things change based on new information they have. There's this belief, I think, on some people's part. You know, we hear a lot about insight selling, We're selling with insights, these prepackaged commercial insights. And it's like, sure, but we tend to throw those into the front of the sales cycle. Actually, I think it's the spontaneous insight insight that you collectively arrive at together later in the sales process that are the most impactful. And they're not going to happen if you stop asking questions. You have these epiphanies, the aha moments as you're working with the customer and you keep inquiring, you keep digging and you keep trying to understand better. Then suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, we hadn't thought of that. I can't tell you how many times that happened in my career. It's like, oh, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> ah, yeah. Versus trying to put almost a pre-canned insight, inserting that at the beginning of the process and thinking, okay, we're insight selling now. And now let me move on and check my boxes throughout the process. Because now they understand how smart we are because we gave them this right. insight right at the beginning. I'm so smart. Wasn't that insight and so insightful? Wasn't that insightful? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, Aren't you ready to buy from me? <laughs> and you're nailing it on the head. <laughs> And I talk about this in the book too, is that the best insights you're going to get are the ones based on the questions you ask. Questions that trigger insights on the part of the buyer from not having to think about it are infinitely more powerful and impactful than the prepackaged ones you deliver at the beginning. Because that's just human nature. It's like, oh yeah. You always think about the power coming through your questions. So if you can have questions that you ask, I call these insight questions, not surprisingly, that force the buyer to think about their business. There are things about their buyer's business that they reasonably should be expected to know, but possibly don't. 
those are much more powerful than asking, you know, providing an insight, because then you're coming up with this thing together. It's the buyer like, oh, got it. Wow, that's a great question. You're really smart for asking that. We like these people. It's that way of building value because you're helping them uncover so many of these things because you don't know the answer either. Right. This is sort of gets back to the heart of the matter is that every customer is unique and different. Yes, they fit certain personas, they're in certain industries, but if you treat them as they're just like the other people. Right. And when you ask me this question, I'm going to give you this answer mm-hmm. and you're not really making an effort to really understand, mm. you're going to miss an opportunity. Yeah, I think that's a trap that a lot of sellers fall into because we do harp a lot on the ICP and the buyer persona and sure. how does this person fit, which I think those are great exercises for sure. an organization to go through. Absolutely. But I think as sellers... We sometimes fall into the trap that, oh, I've heard that one. I understand exactly what they mean. Oh, I heard that last week. I don't need to understand anymore because I already know. (laughs) I know. Versus asking the follow-up questions to better understand how is it specific to this individual? How are they different from that prospect last week? How is this going to blow up? How is this fundamentally different? Because it always is. Every situation is unique. My definition of business acumen for sellers Mm -hmm. is not understanding how one situation is just like another. It's understanding how this situation is different than the others. Mm understanding that difference is an opportunity. This is the thing that I think a lot of sellers don't understand is it seems like more work if you have to keep asking questions, but the more understanding you have of the buyer, it's an opportunity for you. It's an opportunity to spot ways, opportunities to help the buyer that you may have not recognized before. And if you gave up too soon, you're just in the transactional commodity sale because let's face it, most of us deal in industries increasingly these days where our products aren't a lot different than anybody else's. As much as we think they're great products, the differences between them are pretty narrow. And what are the points of differentiation? It's you as a seller. And it's how you help the buyer identify their most important thing and how you help them get it. I'm glad you brought up business acumen too, because I hear that question posed a lot in sales is I need more business acumen. I need to have more business acumen in order to be a successful seller. It sounds like it's how you sell can almost reveal that business acumen. The understanding part of your four core attributes That is business acumen. It's just understanding. I was getting to that level of understanding. I think too many sellers think I need to have all the answers. And when you think you have all the answers, then selling becomes more of a zero sum game because I'm going to persuade you. I understand the answers. I'm going to persuade you to buy my product. And at the heart of persuasion, as I said, sort of the zero sum game, I'm right, you're wrong. Because I'm going to persuade you to change your mind about that. Not a very productive way to go about things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's never the case. You shouldn't feel compelled to have the answers. What you should feel compelled is of the curiosity to ask the questions. And buyers value the questions more than they value your answers. Just feel comfortable that you feel comfortable that you can ask questions. And as long as you're sincerely interested, people can sense that. As long as I don't think you're just going through the motions, but you really want to learn about them. Yeah, you don't need to have all the answers. You'll learn through experience. The more you sell, you'll gather more information so that your baseline level of understanding and acumen goes up. I think for many sellers, I would say as a precursor is that invest time just learning about business. Independent of your selling is learn about business. Learn how to read financial statements. Learn how to read public filings for public companies. Learn how a company operates. What are the basic functions of a company? You know, what does receivables do and payables do? What do operations do? And if you're a manufacturing company, what does a manufacturing manager do? All the functions. Educate yourself about that. Just educate yourself about how a company makes money, including your own company, your employer. And 
learn how you can ask the questions to help you surface that when you're talking to your buyers. Then you start giving yourself a better base on which to build your acumen because you understand business. I think this is a shortcoming that exists in sales as we bring tons and tons of college new grads in every year. They don't understand business. Why should they? I love it when a new seller like that, like you mentioned the college grads, I love it when they ask the question, how does this company make money? Because you can feel the wheels turning as to they're trying to understand. That question is truly, I need to understand how we get from point A to point B. Exactly. Because it's not always clear. How does Amazon make money? Obviously they sell a lot of things, but they have their hands in a lot of cookie jars or just unorthodox business models. How do these new business models that are cropping up all the time, how do you make money? If you don't truly understand that, how can you ask any of these questions? How can you seek to understand or be curious? I don't address this specifically in the book, but I've written a fair amount about it as you deal with companies, you work with the SDR world and your professional life is how many employers are enabling their new sellers with just pure business education. Very few, a razor thin layer (laughs) of companies are doing it. And we wonder why the job is hard. Mm. Being an SDR, that's a tough job. Any entry-level sales job is a tough job. And it's tough for a number of reasons. One is that job would be a lot easier for a 40-year-old with 20 years of experience and greater maturity in life. That's why I urge companies to hire old SDRs (laughs) because they might do a better job at it. Right. And find another entry-level role for new sellers. But given that's probably not going to happen is let's do a better job of providing SDRs just as basics in business. We're going to throw them into a sales world. Or in addition, I advocate is we think that new sellers coming into the business world know how to connect with another human being. Mm. We're asking them to do it in a way in sales that's person to person, synchronously, oftentimes, where a lot of our sellers coming into the world on the sales world now have subsisted largely on asynchronous messaging with their friends and the way that people they know it's through social, it's through texting, it's through, and they just don't know. Right. And that's okay. It's a different language. It's a different language. I'd say let's teach them to be human before we try to teach them how to be sellers. I totally agree. Yeah. (laughs) It's a part that's missing. We wonder why they struggle. We wonder why you have high churn rates because they're doing an SDR role now, or I started 600 years ago in selling is for the first year I was out making in person 30 to 40 cold calls a day, drive to an office park and park my car and go door to door, to door, to door, to door. It's hard. It's just hard work. It is hard. (laughs) Many people abandon it. We're not going to get rid of the hard part, but we can make it easier to some degree by giving people the tools and we're just not doing it. It's great. We want to sell them, train them as sellers. Give them the basic human skills first. Understand how to make a connection. Do you understand how to deploy your curiosity? Do you understand what it means to reach this level of understanding? Do you understand business, just basic business, as we talked about before? Add a month onto your onboarding program. Add two months onto your onboarding program. It'll be worth it. Yeah. It'll be yeah. worth it. CEOs yeah. will hate that I say that because they oh, we need, we're not getting payback in 12 weeks. We need to get rid of these people. No, invest a little bit more. People will stick around. You'll more likely earn your investment back that you've made in these people because they're going to stick around. Yep. I totally agree. Andy, really appreciate the conversation. If my listeners want to find out more about you and the book, how can they do so online? Go to andypaul.com. And we have bonuses for people who want to pre-order the book. We're in pre-order mode. We'll start delivering the book on February 22nd. 2022. In the meantime, come to andypaul.com and you can download a free chapter. And if you like that, then pre-order the book. And we have bonuses for people to pre-order. We're also in January starting our launch team for people that are 
really interested in supporting the message of the book and want to help us get the word out, stuff on that. So you can contact me through LinkedIn is the best way. I'm all over there. Perfect. Okay. (laughs) So we'll link to your LinkedIn, andypaul.com, and then look out for the Sell Without Selling Out book coming out in February of 22. Thank you so much for coming on. I had a blast, learned a lot myself, and I look forward to having you on at some point in the future. I'd love to do that. And you did a great job. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Andy. Have a good one. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. You can find all the links discussed and the show notes at thesaleslift.com. That's the, T-H-E, sales, S-A-L-E-S, lift, L-I-F-T, dot com. Have questions for me? Email me at tyler at thesaleslift.com. We look forward to seeing you back here next week. And we hope today's show brings you the sales lift your business needs. Remember, ideas plus action equals results. You've got new ideas, now it's time to take action and the results will follow. See you next time.